Did you uh, catch in our reading that the writers to Hebrews liken your Christian faith to an Olympic marathon? It's quite an image we're going to unpack a little bit more this morning. Did you realize that when you got up from bed this morning or maybe you rolled out of bed this morning, maybe you just fell out of bed this morning, that you were in a race? that today is the next most important leg in your race with Jesus Christ. And I say that because, one, not only do we know in our own mortality that we might not be here tomorrow, but we know with God's gospel promise that there might not even be a tomorrow if Christ comes back. So each day that God gives us here is the next most important leg in our run with the Lord. We've had these past two weekends uh, over 20 confirmation students just make the next biggest promise in their life to follow Jesus even if they have to die for him. And so one of the things we've been talking about in this text is four keys, not just for them but even as much for us to help us finish our race faith in Jesus Christ. Because we have a God who wants nothing more, we have parents, we have godparents, we have pastors, we have teachers, we have friends who want nothing more for each of us than to finish our race in Jesus Christ. And so to help us in this, I want to break down our reading again from Hebrews chapter 12. We're just going to start with the first verse, and this is the first key to help us finish. Notice the writer says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, in the immediate context, he's talking about all the saints in chapter 11, all the saints going back to Abraham and Moses and David and Ruth and Mary and all those who have run before us. And many of us, as we think about the saints who have gone before us in our walk with the Lord. In fact, I bet there are many of us here today who are in this race with Jesus because those before us handed it down to us. And their faith is a testimony to the power and presence of God every step of our race with him. And though there are many saints, even in our own community, who have gone before us this past year, I just want to mention one saint who is not a spectator, but is an inspiring example of running to the end. In our own faith community, Brenda Borchers, in fact, she was here. I still remember her before the COVID outbreak. I was here for about two months before that. She would sit like right over there. And she was here every weekend that she could. Seven years ago, she was diagnosed with cancer and her race took quite a difficult turn. But even as Brenda went through 11 different treatments in her seven-year leg with cancer, I was told that near the end, the 11th, she said something to this effect, it's okay. 
God will get me through this, or he will take me home. And even when she knew that she was near her finish line of the course God marked out for her, as she was planning their celebration of life, even then she didn't want her last earthly statement to be about her and her life here. She wanted it to be about Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen on her behalf. And so we look to the runners who have gone before us and we draw inspiration in our own run with Christ today. Let's go on and look at key number two. Our text continues looking to that great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily entangles us. I want to show you something here. Does it look like I'm ready to run a marathon? Why not? Besides that, keeping me humble, Andy. The baggage, have you ever seen a long-distance runner with a backpack? Or carrying a gallon of hydration? Or with a dorky bike helmet on? Why not? Yeah, because it weighs them down and they probably would not finish. Writer of the Hebrews is saying the same thing for us today in our run with Jesus. Let us lay aside every hindrance and sin which so easily entangles In our text, it means anything that could weigh you down, anything that could lead to fatigue and keep you from finishing, whether it's a hindrance, a stumbling, a stumbling block, an obstruction, anything in your life that might keep you from finishing, lay it down. Some researchers at Lifeway asked young adults, and I show this particularly to our confirmation students, but it's always good for us too. They asked them how many of those who regularly attended church as teenagers, how many dropped out in their late teenage and early adult years? 66% said yes, they stopped going. That's six out of every 10 confirmants. Statistically, in the next three, five, six years will just disappear from church. And so they went on to ask these who who stopped going, why, right? What was your hindrance? What weighed you down and tripped you up to take you out? Here were their top five answers. They moved away to a college. Secondly, the church members were just too judgmental or hypocritical. I didn't feel connected to the other runners at my church. 
I disagreed with the church's political or social stances, or the last one, I just had a job that kept me from worship. And we see those. And is God starting to prompt on your heart now some kind of sin or weight, a temptation that is starting to slow you down and get in your way? Or maybe the evil one is even trying to tell us that we can run this race in Jesus and take this along. I have a few things on the screen that can trip any one of us up repeatedly. Love of money, worldly goods, earthly pleasures, porn, lust, social media, personal agenda, personal rebellion. It's my life, God. I'm going to run my own course. An addiction or habit, going to school or college, if we put that before the Lord, an insane schedule, a career, a hobby, a friend or circle of friends who just don't encourage us to walk with the Lord and might draw us away, even the love of sleep. <sighs> I'll get to you later, God. I need my Z's. Or maybe it's even a family or home life that can take precedence over the Lord or a quest for popularity or some kind of extracurricular or moving. These are all things that can weigh us down. So in a moment of honesty, is there something that God is putting on your heart this morning to leave here behind this morning, to lay it before his cross, even if it's the, even if it's the 1,000th time, to lay it down and know that he's got forgiveness and grace to cover that. And it's a lot easier to run when we don't have that on us. Our text continues. The cloud of witnesses laying aside, laying down anything that could weigh us or entangle us, and then the charge, let us run the race with perseverance. So let us keep running our race with perseverance. Notice I underlined your race. Even as parents, godparents, I know that many of us would like to run the race for our children or grandchildren or godchildren, nieces, nephews, but we can't. I cannot run your race for you. You cannot run my race for me. We all each have to run the race that God has marked out for us. But friends, just look around the room. Though we can't run the race for each other, we can certainly run the race with each other. Persevere. It means to keep going. I want to come back to that survey because this was my curiosity, and they did it. They came back and followed up with those two-thirds who just said in those early adult years they just walked away from church, and they asked them, did you come back after those formative years? And 
29% of them said, no, we've stayed out of the race. The largest percent, almost 40, said, well, I worship at most once a month. And about 31% said, yes, at least two or more times a month, I'm there. If you look at the total of that first two columns, almost 70%, does that look like perseverance? Let us run with perseverance the race God has marked out for each of us. So friends, what would that look like this morning for all of us to run the race God has for us with perseverance? Well, our text continues. What does perseverance look like? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. That is how we persevere. I'm reminded of a study a German scientist did at the beginning of the 1900s, German scientist by the name of Jan Suman, blindfolded two sets of subjects. The first set of blindfolded subjects he asked to walk a straight line blindfolded across a field. And the second group of subjects he asked to blindfold and then swim across a lake in a straight line. And what the research found unequivocally is that not one person could do it. Every single one failed. Couldn't walk in a straight line, couldn't swim in a straight line, blindfolded, but it looked a little bit more like this and, and maybe even like that. But the same researchers found there was only one way for every single person to walk or swim in a straight line. And that was when they had a marker in front of them that they could fix their eyes on. Then every single one walked and swam straight. A hill, a building, a tree, something to fixate eyes on. It's the same in our race with Jesus. But our God has given us a marker to keep our eyes fixated on. And as long as our eyes are on our Lord, not only do we know that we are on the right path, but that our race will be straight. And look at what else our text emphasizes about Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith, meaning for every one of us, he is our starting block and he is our finish line. And it also says that he himself, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising its shame. We have a God who does not know what we are going through. He came down to be a runner himself. And his race went to the cross. He has suffered far more than any of us will ever have to endure in our own race with the Lord. But what were some of his last words on the cross? It is finished. Jesus ran and finished his race. And so even 
when we feel it's so hard or we're hitting that runner's wall or that we can't go on, we know that Jesus after the cross, arose and ascended, and today is still sitting at the right hand of our God, meaning he didn't just finish, he won. And so when our race is hard, when we don't know if we can keep going, fixing our eyes there, he is our inspiration, he is our encouragement, he is our victory. We have a God who ran and finished his race so that we could run and finish ours. I want to tell you about another runner at St. Peter. His name is Charles. And talk about someone else who had a very, very difficult run. When he was just five years old, and his little brother was three years old, five and three, young boys. One night when they went to bed like any other night, a car crashed into his house and killed both of his parents. Five and three, just like that, gone. So a grandmother and grandpa immediately took the two young grandchildren in, and then four years later, the grandfather passed away too and so here is a grandma with a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old and Charles you would think would have every right to just be mad at God and angry with God and even say if this is how the Christian race is going to be I'm out but he's not his eyes are still fixated on Jesus. And every Sunday, last service, he was here again. Every Sunday, he's in worship to keep his gaze there. And at his supper and in fellowship with his other runners. And he is still running and persevering. For our confirmants, here are just some other tips and us too to help us run cross-eyed. No matter how our course may go, whether we are in a place of running uphill right now, whether we are in a place of running downhill, or we, if we are at a summit, or if we are in a valley, if we are on asphalt, or we are in loose gravel, even sand, this is how we run cross-eyed. Regular worship, just what we are going to do in a couple moments at his supper, falling in love with biblical preaching and teaching, being around other runners, youth and adults, rejoicing in the gift of each day that we have in this race, being in our Bibles, being vibrant in prayer, because we have a God who never gets tired or weary of hearing you come to him. Loving a Christian book or Christian speaker's immersing ourselves in Christian music, going to Christian gatherings, youth. We have another one here with Mr. Hike on November 7th at 6 o'clock. In January 7th, 8th, 9th, we have a winter blast for our youth up at a Christian camp in Wisconsin. Go to that. Next summer, we are taking youth 
to Houston, Texas for our national youth gathering where over 20,000 youth will be worshiping in the Houston Texan Dome together. And these are just 12 of the ways to help us run and keep our eyes there. And I can tell you, as we draw inspiration from those who have gone before us and lay aside anything that might be weighing us down and run with perseverance with our eyes on Jesus, even if we finish 11 billionth place in this run, it's going to be glorious as our Savior and all the saints who have gone before us are celebrating and cheering as we cross the line home. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Here are some questions. I have a triple header for you this morning. As we take in these words of God right now and create moments of conversation and discipleship, my first question to you is, how is your faith race going? Be honest. Honest with God, honest with each other. Are you weary? Are you revving, crushing it? Are you slowing? Are you creeping? Are you thinking of dropping out? Or maybe there's some here with us or online who are still spectating, who are on the sideline and haven't got in the race with Jesus yet. Second question is, what do you hear God calling you to lay down today? His grace is there for you in full. And lastly, what helps you keep your eyes fixated on Him? Go ahead and have conversation with each other right now, uh, and then we will continue in a few moments with a song.